Welcome to episode 51 of the In Squash podcast. And on today's episode, uh, we're lucky to have on Paderborn's own Simon Rosner, world number five, greatest German player of all time, recent finalist of the U.S. Open, where he narrowly lost to uh, Mohamed El Shorbagi in the final. Simon came on to the podcast and we had a great chat. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, some family things, you know, with the arrival of his uh, baby boy in December. Uh, late December, uh, we've got we talked a bit about his good start to the season, particularly the U.S. Open. His uh, his coaches uh, over the years. Uh, we talked about squash and life in Paderborn, okay, um, which is which is very fascinating to me. And uh, I think we all know now about Paderborn and uh, Simon and his, uh, that's where his base is, along with uh, Rafael Candera and um, Kandra and. Uh, um, Nicholas Mueller, amongst others, uh, are playing out of there. And I think a lot of that, or m- most of that, uh, uh, has to do with uh, Simon uh, enjoying his squash there and deciding that that would be his base, and it's turned into something uh, somewhat of a squash base for other players now as well. So we talk a bit about that, uh, too. So I know you're going to enjoy uh, episode 51. Now, uh, just on to a couple of other things before we get into the episode. Uh, one uh, thing that came up earlier in the week, and uh, it had, uh, it's been talked about a little bit, is uh, the new, I guess, sort of approach to lets and strokes, or maybe rules, I guess you would say, but nothing's, nothing's been changed in the rules, I don't think, in terms of uh, what is a let and what is a no let and a stroke. But uh, I think it was Nick Matthew uh, on Twitter took issue with uh, players being uh, <coughs> not being awarded lets when there's interference going through to the ball. Fairly, what used to be fairly uh, straightforward lets are now no lets, and uh, <coughs> uh, that that debate had uh, taken life uh, on various forums, Twitter and Facebook. And I think just uh, for me too. Uh, I mean, you see these guys. Uh, I forget it. I think it was. Um, Ali Fareg, uh and uh, I forget who he was playing, but uh, there was a, a ball that was definitely, uh, yeah, Tarek Momin was playing someone, and uh, there was a ball that was definitely uh, gettable. There was interference. He got through, yeah, Tarek Momin was get, got through to the ball. There was interference on the way through, and then he, he was there to play the ball. No let. He asked for a let. Now, if there's interference on the way through to the ball, you're off balance by the time you get there. It should be. It's a basic let, even if you're there. I, I would say. I mean, what are you supposed to play the ball when you're off balance, or your momentum's been interfered with in some way on the way to the ball? Um, yeah. So that that's kind of the issue. And then uh, last night uh, <clears throat> during the uh, the Joel Macon and uh, Mohamed El Sherbagi match, um, there were four or five calls there right at critical points at the end of the match, and one which included a uh, conduct stroke <coughs> against uh, Mohamed El Sherbagi, which gave Joel the second game. Um, just appalling uh, decision-making, in my opinion. I, I don't see where... I mean, they, these were stroke calls, but um, with the video referee uh, there. So um, I guess it may have been just chalk that one up to a bad day at the office, or uh, you know maybe they were debatable, but these ones didn't seem, uh, you know, didn't seem that debatable to me. I think uh, you know Joel was just, uh, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, you you appeal, 
a uh, decision, and uh, all of those decisions went his, uh, and, and as well, Mohammed appealed a couple, but they all went against uh, Mohammed, and they all seemed to be fairly straightforward uh, for Mohammed in, in those decisions, whether they were, you know, they were strokes for Joel or no lets for uh, <coughs> Mohammed, but uh, terrible decision making. Great match, by the way. Not, take nothing away from Joel. He played really, really well. But at the end of those games, those critical decisions, uh, especially the stroke, uh, conduct stroke, which was a bit harsh too, uh, just all seemed to go against Mohammed. Sometimes it, those things happen. Uh, we all know when we play, things don't go our way. Maybe it's uh, the energy you're giving off, and the referees uh, feel that too, and uh, they're only human as well. So uh, sometimes uh, that can affect uh, decision-making, uh, I think, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and in uh, last night's case, uh, against Mohammed in a big way, I thought. But uh, that tournament's going on well with Joel getting through, taking out the number one seed. Uh, Paul Cole looked really, really good against James Wilstrip, looking very, very strong and fit. So he's going to be a force <coughs> this season. And there should be some uh, some great matches tonight, including a recent uh, podcast guest, uh, Declan James, who got through another five uh, five-game match uh, against Adrian Waller. Uh, the two of them have played... Uh, in the last two tournaments, and both matches went to five. Um, and um, Declan has a, has a match against Ali Farag tonight, so that should be interesting. He'll be looking to uh, to put in a good result there against a great player. Um, anyways, uh, onwards to the podcast, episode 51. Simon Rosner, the German tree chopper, on the podcast today. Today on episode 51, uh, we're really happy to have on a proud resident of Paderborn. Uh, he reached the top 10 in 2014 and shortly thereafter became the highest ranked German of all time. In January 2018, became the first German to win a Super Series event. Uh, he, in the latest rankings, he's up to number five in the world and currently sitting at uh, number two in the road to Dubai rankings. He's also a recent newlywed and uh, a father-to-be. Simon Rosner is our guest. Simon, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Gary. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, we actually, uh, we just spoke about it a minute ago. We, uh, we did sit down for a short interview uh, uh, in Dubai at the, uh, the Super Series final there, and that was great to, to get to meet you then. Um, I, I didn't realize uh, at the time that you were getting married, so congratulations on, on your marriage and the... Uh, upcoming uh you know you have a little boy along the way yeah thank you yeah really looking forward to it it's uh quite exciting times this year 2018 that's for sure <laughs> not awesome. just uh, sports wise but also in private life a few things happening so yeah we we were supposed to getting uh, married in december and then once uh, the news came <laughs> <laughs> we pushed it forward to august so that's why um yeah, everything happened a bit earlier than, than expected. But that's yeah. great. We're really looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, exciting times. Yeah, for sure. Now, you've got a um, you've got a few tournaments coming up along the way. Uh, I know uh, I'm a father of two, a proud father of two daughters. And my first daughter, uh, I was away on a – I was in Hong Kong on a business trip. And uh, my wife was about three weeks away from uh, – having the baby so it seemed okay then i get a phone call uh two days into the trip from my brother-in-law in law time to get home 
and I just made it back. So uh, hopefully uh, you don't experience that kind of thing that, you know, you, you might be home for the, the arrival of your baby boy. No, the, 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 timing, the timing is actually quite good because uh, he's, he's due on 27th or my wife is due on 27th. So December, sorry. So that means because obviously in December there's no no tournaments coming up apart from the one in Egypt. So I'm hoping that he will be pretty much on time. Not to scare me off for my um, New York defense where I'm trying to defend my title, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. That, so that that's in. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's in January middle of January so I hope that yeah things gonna work out fine and uh, I'll be yeah not in any danger of having to cancel any tournament yeah, but, and you'll uh, be, uh, yeah I think it's seems pretty good so looking forward to it that'll be fun yeah in January if the baby arrives in December you'll you'll have a, a little bit of a feel for what it's like to be uh, balancing uh, fatherhood with uh, with workload yeah I'm going straight in there <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight, straight into it. Like get, getting the system used to not sleeping at nights and so on. So it's actually yeah. quite good <laughs> shock to the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I, I guess there are a few guys out there. I think Cameron Pilly might be one guy that you know, a friend of yours who uh, who yeah. has been through this before. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a few guys. I mean, uh, Darren is there. Greg is there. It's a few guys. Who I'm, uh, yeah, sharing quite a lot of time on tournaments. So uh, I get I get to talk to them, and they keep telling me how uh, less they sleep, and yeah, they kind of scare me off a little bit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, I did but, the uh, I did the podcast with uh, Greg Gaultier, and uh, he was uh, making food, making his ch his boys uh, breakfast uh, while he was doing the podcast. So already you got to do mul some multitasking, Simon. So, so we might talk in December again while I, well, I, I won't make him any food, that's for sure, in December. Not at that kind of time, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, obviously, your, your summer training, uh, I think it's paid off for you. I, I watched a little bit of it on, uh, on a YouTube video earlier today. I'll talk about it later. But you got a quarterfinal appearance in San Francisco and then a great result at the U.S. Open, just losing out barely in the final to Mohamed uh, Al Shabagi, uh, judging by the video footage uh, of your uh, your typical day of training uh, over the summer, overall, how happy are you with the uh, preparations over the summer? And has the season started uh, according to plan for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think getting to the U.S. Open final was very big for me. I mean, I've I've done it in New York and I won the tournament there, but but still, like reaching finals of of these kind of tournaments, beating a few top 10 guys on that way uh, is yeah pretty good good effort i think and uh, i guess that summer training as you said has paid off and i've done the right things in order to get my body in shape and uh, um, find the right rhythm right from the beginning i mean i think it was good uh, to have played san francisco before um, just to get at shanghai as well i played shanghai as well um, mm -hmm. in september so i think those tournaments helped me along the way um, in order to be uh, sharp uh, at the U.S. Open, and uh, um, I think, yeah, I think the, the summer training really played a big part of it, and uh, I've done uh, a decent, let's say, two and a half month uh, preparation training, um, which is quite unusual for me. The last few years, I only had like a few weeks 
because, for example, last year I had the World Games uh, already in July, and then in December I had the World Team Championships. So there was no real time of yeah, getting your body into shape and uh, giving him some rest and, and preparing him for pretty much for for the upcoming season because squash is so tough and uh, I think like having two three months off uh, tournaments in the summertime really helps you to be to be fresh for the um, for the rest of the season or for for the start of the season until the end of the season which is quite long so yeah um, I think I think I've done the right things um, and uh, um, which which showed uh, the US Open, but I'm just hoping now to continue with my form to like, um, yeah, just uh, keep keep going like this. You know, sometimes you can you can win tournaments and then the next tournament you you know you like you won't succeed because you um, maybe like what I had in New York for example, I found it very difficult to find my rhythm back in, in Sweden, which mm. was like one and a half weeks later. So I'm hoping to like, yeah, just to keep going. I think that's what impresses me a lot about uh, well, the top four guys, top three guys, um, especially like guys like Shobagi, Craig, um, over the past few years, that they were able to back up and back up after each tournament. I mean, it's such a big mental pressure and it's so much impact of, on your body as well, like going through a whole tournament like this. So I think it's uh, that's what yeah impressed me. Um, to see how how these guys cope with it so i'm yeah trying to do the same and uh, yeah. hopefully I'll, I'll be able to continue my form in, in qatar which is next week and then with hong kong in november and uh, uh, the, the tournament in cairo which is going to take place in december as well so there's a few few more big tournaments coming up and uh, let's see how it goes yeah for sure i mean it, it look, i mean last year you had a, a sort of a breakthrough year by getting into uh regularly into the top eight top five getting semifinals and big wins as well. And I guess maybe the next breakthrough is exactly what you were talking about, making it uh, tournament after tournament, uh, that playing that type of high-level squash. Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, especially, um, as I said before, I think the biggest or very important is to, to be able to back up after like tournaments like this and be right there from the beginning of the next tournament not to let it go, to like kind of keep the momentum going, keeping the flow going really. And uh, yeah, I think, I think I've, uh, I've done everything right pretty much um, up until now in the season. So um, uh, yeah, I, I just hope that I can continue like this and uh, play the best squash I can and enjoy it as much as I can. I think that's, that's also a big part of, sure. of my squash. If I, if I enjoy my squash, I'm, I'm mostly playing the best squash. Then also, obviously, I said it already when I was uh, interviewed in, in Philadelphia. Um, it's important for me also to feel comfortable where I am, and I usually feel comf really comfortable in the U.S. That's where I played my best tournament so far. Mm. Um, I think everything that happens around you off court really plays a big role in, in how you perform on court as well. So yeah, um, I. I said in the interview that I hope that the U.S. will play, will will um, keep up with those tournaments and play and make make even more tournaments happen because <laughs> that's the place to be for me. <laughs> yeah, really. for sure. Yeah. For my best results, yeah. 
Well, uh, I just want to ask you to uh, talk a little bit about Paderborn. Uh, this, this is the, where you reside, and uh, especially the last couple of years lately, it's become a, a, a place that people in the squash circles have come to know. Uh, you've basically, I, I think perhaps maybe you've basically put it on the map recently, uh, winning, I guess, last year, the, uh, recently, the, the European Club Championship with the, the Paderborn team. Tell us a little bit about uh, Paderhorn and what makes it such a special place for you and, and your so, ba base for squash. So it's not Paderhorn. Paderborn, sorry. <laughs> Paderborn. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's actually funny because I remember back in the day, everybody kept t telling me, like all the top guys used to tell me, you have to go to England or Holland. Back in the day, Holland was a good base for squash as well. <laughs> yeah. They taught me to move move away from, from Germany and I, to succeed, I need to be playing in, in those kind of countries where so many players are and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I, was, I wasn't that keen in, in moving abroad and uh, I looked for the best um, possible place in Germany so that I'm still in Germany, kind of. Um, I, I'm actually born two and a half hours away from Paderborn, which is called Würzburg. It's more sort of like the same size city as Paderborn. And... Uh, yeah, I think back in the day everybody laughed about it, but nowadays actually Paderborn is one of the yeah one of the best places in Europe mm -hmm. now to to train it. I mean, it's we a have hotbed with now. Ruffy, with yeah with Ruffy and Nicky, and we've got a few really good local players as well um, who play a really decent level. So actually, to with that kind of location as well, um, with the Aaron Sport Park that we have. And the whole environment there with our athletic coach, with the squash coaches, everything that like a, a pro squash player needs is there. So, um, yeah, I think that played a big part in my career as well. When I moved away from home, when I was around 16 and a half, 17, um, that was when I moved to Paderborn. And that was, looking back now, probably the best decision I, I, I was able to make back then. So I'm really happy with that. And, uh, everybody is very professional back home in Paderborn. They they take good care of you and they make you feel comfortable as well. So um, with all those people around me here in Paderborn, um, yeah, things seem to work out for me pretty well. And uh, uh, I I hope that we get even more squash players to come around. Um, yeah, because I think it's it's a really good base. Uh, for squash in Europe these days. Oh, for sure. It, it, it looks like a healthy, uh, healthy environment to be in as well. I mean, you've got, you know, you're, you're uh, affectionately known on squash TV and in squash circles as the, uh, the German tree chopper. And you can see uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly why uh, with the training that you're doing in the forest there, that, that looks, <laughs> that looks really exciting to me. Um, uh, to be able to do those types of the, the hill runs and the sprinting uh, in that environment, it, it can only it can only be good. Yeah, well, as I said, I think not only the forest that we have, <laughs> but also the, the great the great club that we have. As I already mentioned, our sport park is is an unbelievable um, club. I think one of the best clubs I know, at least. Um, you you find everything that you need really there. So. You have the best environment, um, no matter what, and uh, yeah, I think um, that's that's the reason why Paderborn has been very successful in the past, and why we we had so many good players playing for our team 
I mean, we also have um, Ali Farag in our team, for example. We have Daryl Selby in our team. Mm. A few more guys like Chris Simpson and so on. So um, they're not playing always, but every once in a while they come over to play for our league team. So, like, for example, Chris played for us at the European clubs. Uh, Ali played for us last year at the German national team championships. So, yeah, we always keep getting those um, top guys over to Paderborn to play for us. Um, and they they really enjoy playing for us as well because, as I said, guys there, we, we really take care of them and we, we try to look after them as good as we can. I know myself, if I'm going somewhere to play league or exhibition, it's always great to have people around that um, that are working professional, right? Yeah. Who, who um, work in a good good way and I think that's exactly what we do quite good in Paderborn. And uh, yeah, um, it's it's very enjoyable because, as I said, the base that we have nowadays with all the facilities that we have in Paderborn and with the coaches that we have, uh, it's just great fun. It is really great fun to, to, to practice and to work out. And uh, it's not like you wake up in the morning, you think, oh, no, I need to go for training. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a dark place and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's great. It's, uh, I wake up in the morning and I really look forward to, um, to, to killing myself really <laughs> of course and of course <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's awesome uh, so it's Paderborn sorry about that son. Paderborn not <laughs> Paderborn <laughs> good good uh, there was I one like thing uh, one thing um, I talked I had uh, Martin Heath and uh, Steve Wren I don't know if you know Steve Wren but he's the president of Squash Canada and uh, we were talking okay. about uh, briefly uh you know the the uh, the opportunity of maybe having a, a kind of a North American pro league at some point uh, down the road. Would you uh, would that be something you'd be interested in when events uh, end up over there and you 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 could maybe play on a on a team in a in a league like you would in in Europe? Well, if it, if if it's um, possible to put those states close to events, maybe like. Let's say if you play an event in New York and there's like a, a, a league match on like three days before, whatever, that would obviously suit quite well because you, you, you want to have anyways, you want to practice or you want to have like practice matches and then like having competi um, like competitive matches as well. I think it's quite good for preparation for a tournament anyways. And I quite like to like have um, proper, proper matches before I, I play my first match. Like yeah. other guys... Um, are maybe a bit different to me. I I like to work out even the day before I play. I like to work out quite hard. I actually want to like have even a best of three match, like a proper match, just to make like to get my body into into the rhythm and uh, yeah. uh, and I think so. This this would really like be interesting if if they could like put the certain matches into areas where there's big tournaments just happening right afterwards or whatever. I think that could be interesting, but uh, otherwise, I mean, the U.S. is big and traveling, yeah. even like traveling like uh, halfway around the country is going to take you like three, four hours and yeah. just by plane. So uh, it has to be, yeah, if it's like put in a, in a good time and place, I think it could work out quite well also for other players. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think doing it sort of you know, strategically, like you said, having the having teams in places that are nearby where... Uh, the events are, and uh, so it's not that much of a travel uh, issue. Yeah, and it's also going to develop the game 
better for the professionals from Canada and the U.S. as well. So that's oh, yeah. something we were talking about. But um, oh, now, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, I wanted to ask you uh, uh, about uh, your main coach. His name, uh, uh, correct me with my pronunciation again, please. Uh, Ronnie, is it Ronnie uh, Vlasic? Vlasic. Vlasic, yes. Vlasic. Well, he's, yeah. he's Belgium, so. And he oh, actually, okay. un and unfortunately, actually um, just finished in Paderborn. Oh, so, really? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, basically, uh, I've seen him today, actually. I think it's his last day in Paderborn, <laughs> unfortunately. So, okay. I'm not so, sure who's, who's going to be who's gonna be next, but, um, yeah, Ronnie is unfortunately leaving. Um, so is, is that the uh, that's the well. end of your your sort of partnership with him, or will you still? Uh, uh, well, he's going to move abroad. He's going to move somewhere else. So most likely, it's going to mean the end for us as well. Yeah. Okay. But um, we, we, I mean, with all the coaches that I've like, which I had in the past, I I'm still in good contact. Like back in the day, I used to work with um, a guy called Sulfika Ali Khan. He's from Pakistan. Um, mm -hmm. I. I still have contact with him. I write him every once in a while, and he writes me when I'm at tournaments. And or Tominini Marki, the friend, uh, the the Finnish guy, um, who's been there before Ronnie. So there's a few guys um, with which I still have good contact, and with whom I write as well if if, if I need anything, and they are happy to help me anytime. So yeah, um, with Ronnie, unfortunately, it's gonna be. The end, um, at least for for our work together in Paderborn, but that doesn't mean that if we don't see each other, that we might be still able to, to go on court and uh, have a hit or still be in, con in contact. You know, it's not like it's not like these like when I was maybe like 15, 16, 17 year old when I needed a coach every day who worked with me right. uh, on my technique, on my tactics. It's not like this anymore. I mean, I'm, I'd be 31 next month, and I'm um, I'm happy to have someone who, who's able to feed me well, who every once in a while tells me a few things, what I can change, but I don't need someone who goes on court with me every day nowadays. It's more right. like even when, when I, I Ronnie was in Palabon, I might have a hit with him for like let's say twice a week, once to twice a week, right. and then the rest I'll be on the court on my own, I'll have sessions with my fitness coach, I'll have sessions with um, Ruffy with Nikki with Leonard Lucas. There's there's a few bunch bunch of guys there who who I practice with. So it's not it's not only that I I'm, I'm on court with the coaches anyway. So for me personally, it's not like the end of the world. I mean, right. Ronnie is a great guy and I I really like him so much and it's it's a big shame that he's not not there anymore from now on. But um, for me personally, it's uh, things will continue. There's gonna be a, another solution for sure and um i'm gonna gonna work hard um, even though so it's uh, yeah yeah that's how the situation is at the moment but we'll see what's what's gonna happen next really yeah and i guess what you know with the way uh of technology these days i mean if you ever did want him in your corner during even during a tournament you've got you also have all of your your good your close friends on tour but uh squash tv and exactly. whatnot uh, uh you can easily uh he can easily advise you uh Oh yeah, I mean, I, in in for example, in, in uh, at the U.S. Open, I I was in in uh, very uh, good contact with my um, national coach, with Oliver Petke, okay. who's been uh, coaching me from the quarters onwards. I mean, Nikki left the second round after the second round, I think, 
or third mm-hmm. round, sorry. Yeah. So um, I was in contact with Ollie and he was happy to have me out. He woke up in the morning at three o'clock <laughs> to, <laughs> to shoot me some messages uh, okay. in between games. So, uh, yeah, as you said, with, with, the, with the new technology and uh, the modern game, I think it's, it's possible to make these things happen as well. I had Ronnie before who was helping me out in between games. I had Tommy um, before who helped me out in the games. Is that Tommy Bairdon? So no, 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 Tommy and Ninimaki. Okay, the sorry. Guy I told you before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, so, so these, yeah, these guys, they're able to help me even though maybe they're not with me at the tournament or not there in Paderborn. So, um, yeah. Right. Right on. Um, uh, in my prep for for talking with you today, I watched uh, uh, watched the uh, a day with video that you put together, uh, which was fantastic. And uh, you mentioned uh, in in it um, like you 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 really enjoy going over. I'm not sure if "enjoy" is the right word or if you use that, but you I'm paraphrasing. You enjoy going over your limits. Uh, give us an example of what uh, of a session where you truly went over your limit, but you know at you knew at the end that it was well worth it uh, uh, at the end of the day. I mean, well, those, those, those so sessions. All, every, every, every session is, I know once I'm, I'm, I'm finished with it, it's, it was worth it mostly, like 98%. I mean, otherwise I would do the wrong thing. So mostly it's, 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 uh, um, it's a well-calculated plan that I have in mind or my, my, my athletic coach has in mind. So, um, with like really like tough sessions, I mean, for me personally, the hill sprints, for example, they really they really kill you. Yeah. Um, it's only short sprints. It's maybe like you saw it on the video. I think it might be like twenty meter sprints, maybe twenty twenty five meter sprints, maybe. Yeah. So sometimes we do sessions where we do let's say three sets of eight or three sets of five sprints up, and then. After each set of five, we'll have a rest of maybe like three, four minutes. But we do like, we do those five sprints as fast as we can. So basically we go up as fast as we can, but we kind of go down also as fast as we can so that there's basically no kind of big rest in between. Right. So that's actually like a session really like kills you, but once you're finished, you feel great. I mean, you feel tired, but you feel great because you yeah, know yeah. you've done like a good workout and uh, it really helps you get like when you're in situations on court where you really have to push um, through your limits and uh, and I, I mean, there's uh, a lot of times on the squash court where you do have to go um, past your limits. So I think those sessions really help you to be like hard, also like, that you know that you've done that before and you've gone through that pain before. And even if it's a different, maybe different pain on court, but it's, um, it helps you, I think, especially mentally as well, that you've been doing these kind of things beforehand. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's one of those sessions that really um, stand out for me, like the ones that, that, that happened um, at, the, at the forest, really. Yeah, Without sure. my jump increase, but uh, with my running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, even, I mean, at my level, uh, uh, I, I do a little bit of hard training and, and in the matches where I start to feel a bit of pain, I just think, okay, push through this like you did on those uh, 400 meter sprints exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. 
yeah. Now, uh, Sam, you've been great with your time. Thanks so much. Uh, I just wanted to ask you quickly about uh, your golf game. I know Nicholas came on and oh. saying, saying he's a scratch golfer. Um, how about you? How, did you play much golf over the summer with, with Nicholas or at all? We played a few times, yeah, but it's, yeah. Well, to be honest, I started three years ago. My father asked me to play golf because I think he started like four or five years ago. And yeah. he, he, he thought that it might be a good good way of doing something when you're not on the squash court, like in the off-season, like to get something else as well, which is absolutely right and which um, which was a, a great idea. And I, I, I love golf as well. Um, but it's actually a sport that you have to put a lot of time in. I mean, everybody absolutely. knows who plays golf. Yeah. There's, you need like loads of time and you need... You need to practice a lot as well, and I just don't have that kind of that kind of time, or maybe not quite that passion for for golf to to put as much time in in it to be better. So right. the thing is now I'm 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 enjoying golf every once in a while, but um, I also get a bit sick of it because I know I, <laughs> I I could do better if I would just train more, but I don't have that time, so it's a bit frustrating for me at times when I play golf. It's uh, I, I want to be better because I'm, you know, if, as a as a sports person, you're any sport you do, you want to be, yeah, whatever. Like you want to be right. super good. You like, don't want to embarrass so yourself. Yeah. You don't want to embarrass yourself exactly. So with golf, it's like a thing. I, I I like to play it in the summertime if I have enough time. I play with with a few guys, with a few friends. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in order to enjoy it more, I would need to practice more, and I can't. Uh, practice much more because uh, I don't have that kind of time. So it's I not going to get any better uh, from December onwards. <laughs> no, I think you hit it on the head pretty much. I mean, I play a fair, I play a lot more golf now than I used to, but my squash, okay. uh, I think my fitness is suffering as a result because if you, you know, like you said, you got to dedicate a little bit more time to that. And as a result, you don't have enough time to, uh, to dedicate exactly. to, to the gym work. So, exactly. uh, yeah, so take your time with it, and uh, I think Shaban is quite a good golfer now. Oh yeah, there's a few guys like Shabana <laughs> and uh, Daryl is very good. Daryl, yeah, yeah. Uh, Daryl is a super, super golf player. I heard Ryan Cascelli, Paul Cole, Nicky. There's a, there's a Papili is uh, is is great as well. I heard. So there's yeah. a few guys who who play good. I could get some tips from them maybe. Yeah, I might should. ask them in the future a little bit for for a round, <laughs> or well, I should maybe. Well, um, uh, Simon, if you, uh, I've said this a couple times to, I think I mentioned it to, uh, to Daryl as well, but uh, qualify for the, uh, the Super Series final. And uh, if you have time, we'll get out for a, a round at my club. Oh, well, if it's in December in Dubai, I would be happy to do so. But in summertime, 45 degrees. Ah, you know yeah. how much I sweat. You know oh. how much I sweat, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Early morning maybe, after the tournament. Maybe we get maybe we get air conditioned uh, caddies like or like how do you call those uh, those cars you sit in? Yeah, yeah. See, I don't even know the name of the car, so that's uh, not very good for no, me. No, they do. They do have. <laughs> I think they do have those air conditioned golf carts at at the Trump uh, golf course. But 
I don't oh, really? know if I want. I don't know if I want to play at the Donald Trump golf course. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Well, Simon, uh, I want to wish you all the best. Uh, you've had a great start to the year. Uh, I guess your next next event is in Qatar, so good luck with that. But more importantly, uh, so all the best to you and your wife and the upcoming uh, birth of your baby boy. Thank you so much. Thanks for the interview. Really Thank enjoyed you. it. Good fun. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, that's episode 51 in the book, Simon Rosner. Thank you so much for that, uh, that great uh, chat, Simon. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I'll, I might be traveling to uh, Germany over the summer or maybe this winter. I'm not sure. But um, definitely going to visit uh, Paderborn if we do, uh, especially after you know, watching the video, uh, Simon's video that's up on YouTube of him uh, and his uh, team there, uh, along with Nicholas and uh, Nicholas Mueller and Raphael uh, Kandera and his coaches uh, training and uh, going through a, a day in the life uh, with those guys. Uh, looks like a great place to visit and uh, also good for your squash. So Paderborn uh, might be on the, uh, on the itinerary if we decide to visit uh, Germany. And you should too if you're there. Uh, now, uh, upcoming on the, the podcast, we've got some great episodes. In fact, uh, we just finished up, just finished uh, yesterday with the, uh, the Squash Newfoundland uh, episode that I've been teasing for a long time. Finally got those guys committed to the date, and uh, they were great. In fact, it happened to uh, land on the day marijuana had now had become legalized uh, in Canada, which uh, I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Um, but anyways, uh, it was a great uh, chat with those guys, and that'll be uh, that episode will drop in a few days as well. And we've got some other ones upcoming uh, too. So please uh, keep on uh, listening to the podcast. Really enjoy your comments and your feedback, and really appreciate the fact that you listen. So uh, thank you so much, and enjoy your squash. Have a great day.